How's everybody doing this morning? Good to see you in the house of the Lord. Uh, somewhere I had a bulletin. All right. Can y'all read your bulletins? All right. Read them. Stuff coming up. You can learn all the oh, She's going to give me one. Now the question is, can I read the bulletin? She's turned it around on me. Good Good to have you with us here at Victory Way Baptist Church. Just a reminder, tonight, this morning, uh, uh, Brother Danny's going to be preaching for us. Looking forward to that. Tonight, here's what we're going to do. We're going to do the Lord's Supper tonight. And... Uh, uh, the preacher that was scheduled to be with us today feels sick and couldn't be here, so we're kind of scrambling a little bit. So tonight we're going to do the Lord's Supper, but you're going to be able to come. We're going to do it in a COVID-safe way. Uh, purchase some kits, so you don't have you'll have your own little container that's sealed, and you can unseal it, get your own wafer and your own juice in that kit. And so we haven't done that in a while, and it's always good to be in remembrance. He said, "Do this as often as you do in remembrance of me." So that'll be it tonight. I'll I'll teach a little bit about what it is, and then. Then we'll do that together as a, as a church family and so forth. So uh, don't forget Tuesday nights, 7 o'clock is our Bible study time on Tuesday nights. And uh, ladies' prayer advance is right around the corner. And so uh, if you're interested in that, you can read about that in your bulletin. How many of you are excited to be in church today? Amen. And I'm certainly excited to be back. And thank you for your prayers for a trip. We had a great trip. and or I had a great trip and just enjoyed myself immensely. And uh, so, so now that I'm broke, I'm back and, uh, <laughs> and uh, ready to worship the Lord today. Let's pray. Father, we thank you again for the privilege it is to assemble together, Lord, in this place. Lord, we come to praise you. Lord, you deserve all our worship. You deserve all of our praise. And Lord, but we also came as needy people, needing something from the Word of God. So I ask today, I pray today, Lord, that all of us would take the, the things that are going on in our lives, the distractions that are out there, and all of us have some of those, Lord. And we just set it to the side. We'd focus on your word and what your Holy Spirit wants to teach us from it today. And, Lord, we leave this place changed as a result of being under the teaching and the preaching of the word of God. Lord, bless our service. May Jesus be glorified and magnified. If there is someone here who's never had a time, a place, and a day where they got to the end of themselves and they repented, they changed their mind, and they, they put their full confidence and trust in the fact that you died for them, was buried and rose again. I pray that today would be the day they'd call upon the name of the Lord and get saved by the marvelous grace of God. Now bless our service. May Jesus again be glorified and magnified. Change us, conform us into your image, we pray in Christ's precious name. Amen. Well, good morning. Glad to see each everyone out. Is anybody exhausted right now? Because I'm really tired. If I'm dozing off during the message, I give each person permission to smack me in the back of the head. But please stand as we sing praises to our Savior this morning. Here, just pause one second as we get the music or the lyrics for the audience. If we want to wait, we can, uh, or if we continue, we have, it's verse, it's number nine in your book, in your hymnal. If you want to turn to that, it's on. All right, nice. We're good.
King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. We serve a great God who is in control of everything. Join and sing as we sing how great thou art.
Then sings my soul, my Savior God, to Thee. How great Thou art, how great Thou art. Then sings my soul, my Savior God, to six feet apart, <laughs> and for our special music, we're going to have Brother Tony Hicks coming and playing, is that right? leads 
to destruction the other to the pearly gates thank you Tony for playing I loved hearing Freddie cheer his dad on during the beginning and for this time we're going to uh, just pray privately or, or with the person next to you. Pray that we would be, that we see Christ today through the word. And that's, and essentially, if we hear a message that can be preached in a, in a Jewish synagogue, it's, it's not a Christian message. So I hear that, pray that we can uh, search the word today. But please pray right now. Lord, I thank you so much for who you are. Thank you for dying on that cross to uh, pay the penalty for each one of our sins. Lord, I pray that you'll be comfortable hanging around us. Um, for those that are saved, you live in us. And uh, I just hope that we can, we can do things that will glorify and magnify you. Show us, show us your word. Open us up as we open up your word today, Lord. And your great name I pray. Amen. For our last worshipful, worshipful song, we'll be singing 10,000 Reasons, Bless the Lord. Please stand as we sing.
Thank you for singing. You may be seated. <laughs> Come on down, man. I'm in no hurry. <laughs> hey, brother. You doing all right? It's good to see you. Well, good morning, everybody. Good to be alive, isn't it? Good to be in God's house with God's people. You look relaxed and you don't look a bit afraid. So I'm going to calm down just be just like you are. How's that? Turn your Bibles this morning to 1 Samuel 15. And uh, we're going to talk about character today. And Pastor has uh, taught through the life of David. I don't know how many lessons was that? It was too many. It was a lot. So he's done got it all covered. He don't leave much for anybody else to preach. He used to be awful bad about catching me with a message, finding out what it was, and then preaching it right before my turn come. Mean preacher. But I love him and appreciate him anyway. But uh you know you ever you ever watch yourself kind of examine your own heart and uh, notice when you're talking about something. Many times I've caught myself, I've been working on this for a long time and I ain't doing too good with it. But most of the time when we're having a discussion talking about the weather or something's going on with the, with the church or the government or family or anything, if we're not careful, we talk in the negative, don't we? We always talk from the the top down. Like that, you know, everything, well, it's just about as bad as it can get, you know. There's not a light in the, in the t- tunnel. The, the glass is not half full. It's half empty. You know, that's, that's our nature, isn't it? That's the nature of this beast we live in. It really is. To look at everything more from a negative point of view than it is to to try to start talking from the positive. Now, I really practice that in my own life, but with this old nature, without the Holy Spirit, grace through faith, you're not going to do too much good, really. You're going to catch yourself right back in the old rut, talking like like Eeyore. Oh, it's probably going to rain anyway. Is that not our nature and what we are? It really is. But God wants us to... To be like Jesus. You know, Jesus was a happy man. He really was. And you can look in the Scripture and you can find out many times where that He was very very happy, very upbeat. It's a pretty good example to follow, Jesus Christ, isn't it? So we need to do that. That song then, Bless the Lord, O my soul. I don't think we could do that enough to you. I really don't. And I've looked up that word bless, like bless the Lord, O my soul, and forget not all these benefits. Bless the Lord, O my soul. That word blessed there, not like in the beatitude, means adorable, to adore, to worship. That's our worship verses. I found several verses in in Ephesians, Corinthians, and I can't remember one of them when you want to use them. You ever been like that? Blessed be God. There we go. Even the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. Adorable. Be God, even the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. The Father of mercies 
and the God of all comfort. I tell you what, we serve a great God, a wonderful God, a loving, heavenly Father. He ain't like us earthly fathers, and every one of us that's ever been a father raising children, we failed. Amen? No amens on that one. Everybody's getting under the uh, bench, being real quiet. But we do. We're failures so many times in that way. But our Heavenly Father, He has never let us down. He has never left us for one second. He's never forsaken us. He's not going to. His love is eternal. It's infinite. I mean, it's just on and on and there's nothing. We need the kind of character that Jesus had. And I think it's displayed very well in the young David. I know he had some problems and it's sad because speaking of always thinking in the negative, when we think of David, our thoughts run to his failures quicker than they do to his accomplishments, don't they? And we do that with other people too. We really do. We think about... if you. It's like the little puppy said, if I showed the little thing and the little puppy sitting there said, if I do bad, nobody forgets. And if I do good, nobody remembers. <laughs> Isn't that true? We need to work at thinking in the positive. I believe that would be a good practice for us in this 2021 year. Is catch yourself, watch yourself, uh, rebuke yourself... Whenever you just catch yourself always talking, I'm bad. I mean, I'm bad. I confess right now. Without, the, without grace, God's grace, through faith, I'm not going not gonna to do too well because I've already tried. And then the circumstances of life bring us down and, it just, and it's easier to submit to that than it is to yield to the power of the Holy Spirit of God. You know, we don't have the capability. It is by God's grace. It's His power. He's the one that is almighty. It's His power. It's everything about Him that we need in our lives to be positive and upbeat in a world. I mean, if, if we're going to go out here and hand out tracts and talk to people about Jesus Christ, we need to be, look like happy people. We really do, don't we? And we ask, what if we have left? We can't hardly go door to door now. But we can hand out these little gospel tracts. You can hand them to people. And they'll take them because I was really hesitant when I started back getting the tracks and handing them out. You'll get thanked. I tell you what, that'll help you get upbeat. I've not had anybody in the past couple of months refuse one of these or, you know, be kind of angry. Why are you giving that to me? I'm a good person, that type. I know. People in our culture right now are looking for something. And we've got it, folks. But they need to see it before we mention it. And that's what today's lesson is about. And uh, Brenda told me not to bring button, bring notes. She said, Danny, you do better if you just kind of get rid of the notes. And I only got four pages. And she didn't come. <laughs> She's with her mama doing her duty, okay? But we're going to talk about Samuel and David today. Of course, I mean, not Samuel, but Saul and David. Of course, you know the story about Saul and he, bless his heart, he was bad character, wasn't he? I mean, he, he was a man filled with hatred, hatred and bitterness and anger. And there was really no reason for it. It really wasn't. But we'll see in, in chapter 15, I'm not really going to really read a text and I ain't got three points in a poem or anything like that. We're going to cover a lot of Scripture. And I'm going to read probably read a lot more than, than preach a lot. But we know that David was a man of godly character. 
the Scripture says that David was a man after God's own heart. A man. Wouldn't you love to have that testimony? Wouldn't you just love to feel in your soul that you was a man that was constantly seeking the Lord? Seek me, he said. Seek, uh, verses all through the Bible. Seek me and you shall find me, he says. And we need, to, we need to practice seeking the Lord. But David was a man after God's own heart. He was, we can, I believe we can safely say that David was a Spirit-filled man. And you know what? David had to operate on Ephesians 2.8, same as we do. For by grace. For by grace are you saved through faith. The same way we get saved is the same way we walk day by day, isn't it? For by grace... Through faith. And that's the kind of man David was. And he was the kind of person that I believe we could look up to and learn a little something today that might help us. I'm a very negative person. And it seems like this this year it has just been negative, negative, negative. And I don't want to be like that. This message, I, I got the text from the pastor yesterday about 12 o'clock. Thank you a lot. That the preacher wasn't coming and he couldn't get a hold of Stephen. <laughs> Stephen cuts his phone off on Saturday. He's smarter than that. And believe it or not, I had a great time. I didn't want to preach. I didn't want to get up here. I don't know what. Since my surgery, I ain't wanted to crawl out of my hole. I just wanted, you know, just, just leave me alone. Poor old Brenda, can you imagine what she lives with? She's a tough woman. So I went downstairs and I started preparing. And I had a message. I, had, I, I fixed it back before I had to go to surgery. I knew that, I mean, I just, I had, the, and it, you know what it was about? Ownership. You know, what the, you know what the key verse was? Can anybody guess? Jake, you ought to know. Genesis 1-1. What's the matter with you people? In the beginning, God created. You don't need nothing else. Let's get back to the message. I'm getting off track. Saul started off in a very bad way. Well, he started off good, but it wasn't long till he went bad. Look in verse 15, verse 1. Samuel also said unto Saul, The Lord sent me to anoint thee to be the king over his people, over Israel. Now therefore hearken thou unto the voice of the words of the Lord. Samuel, the prophet of God, the man of God, was going to instruct and help Saul to be a good king. But Saul just wouldn't have it. Now this was way before when he, this chapter when he was anointed king. He's going, he's going back. Samuel, Saul's in trouble now. Samuel's rebuking Saul. Look in verse 23. It's a, I believe that's right. 15, 23. We've got to move along or I won't get done in time. For rebellion... Here's something we've got to watch out for. For rebellion is as the sin of witchcraft and stubbornness. Now there's the one that hit me. Stubbornness. You know, we could almost be the Laodicean church. We're rich and increased with goods and we feel that we have need of nothing sometimes. And we can be very stubborn, can't we? I want my way. I want people to do what I think they ought to do. <laughs> you know, hey, are we not that way, stubborn? Look at that. Witchcraft and stubbornness, stubbornness is as, as an iniquity and idolatry. 
Because thou hast rejected the word of the Lord, he, God, also rejected thee from being king. So Saul's rejected here. He's destroyed his character. He has no testimony left. He, you know what he did? You know what the sin that separated poor old Saul from his kingdom? Disobedience. Stubbornness and disobedience work together, don't they? They're two very rough characters. So, so Saul is rejected as king, and David, at the same time in verse 18 of chapter 16, is anointed as the, as the king. Maybe I'm wrong right there. Yeah, I am. But anyhow, David is anointed king. Saul, I mean, God tells Samuel, said, you get your, said, quit grieving over Saul and get your anointing oil and go to David or go to the, to Jesse at the Bethlehemite and said, one of his sons is going to be the king. And he, he said, in another place, he said, he's a man that's after my heart. I've got a man to be my king who is after my own heart. So he goes to do that and, and he anoints David as the king. Now Saul knows nothing about this at this time. Saul's rejected and David's testimony at this time is, is a tremendous testimony. He's a, he's a shepherd boy that's been out on the mountains. He's spent a lot of time with God. He's a man that is filled with the Spirit of God. The testimony of David, if I can get my, my bearings right, in verse chapter 16, verse number 18, Then answered one of the servants and said, well, first of all, Saul has a spirit that keeps coming upon him. It's an evil spirit from the Lord, the Bible says. It says right here in this passage. It says it's an evil spirit that's come from the Lord upon Saul and it, and it grieves him. And, and that's where I, I'd say panic attacks, all kind of depression and, and all of those things come on him. And they, they said, you know, uh, we need to find somebody that's a good... Good, good with music that can play music, play a harp or something that can help bring, calm you down. But you know, the thing that he needed to do is he needed to repent, didn't he? Repentance toward God and faith toward the Lord Jesus Christ. That's what he needed. But instead, the people around him weren't the kind of people that was going to help him get right with God, but they was going to try to just help him get through the crisis. So listen to what they said. They're talking about uh, finding someone when the evil spirit from God is upon thee, uh, that, shall, that he shall play with his hand, and thou shalt be well. In verse 16. And Saul said unto his servants in 17, 16, 17, Saul said unto his servants, Provide me now a man that can play and bring him to me. Then answered one of the servants and said, Now this was the fame of David already before he come on the scene. I have seen a son of Jesse the Bethlehemite that is cunning and plain and mighty, valiant man and man of war, prudent in matters and a comely person. And here's the part that I really like. And the Lord is with him. The Lord is with him. Wouldn't you like to have that testimony out in the community that the Lord is with you? That you're a person that, that, that people look at and say, the Lord's with this person here. Let me get these out. Maybe I can see a little better what I'm looking at. There we go. So the testimony of David is a man that he, he is a man that's filled with the Spirit, a man that that can be looked up to, 
then, uh, that was anointed by God to be the king in verse 13 of chapter 16. That's where the anointing was. I missed it a while ago. But look at the, some of those characteristics of this young man in, in, in this verse that we just looked at. First of all, in verse 18 there, And they answered one of the servants and said, I have seen a man justly the best night that is a cunning, he is cunning in playing. That, and what it's talking about is he's, he's a, music, a musician. He's somebody that can play. I looked that word up and it said, Knows how to beat out a tune. Basically, that's what what it said. Basically, he knows a, a man that like brother over here that knows how to take the guitar and beat out a tune. That's what David was. He is a man that was a good player. Uh, he was a mighty, valiant man. He was a powerful force. He was a he was a force to be reckoned with. This was a man of war. Now, this is in his in, probably in his early twenties that David was being uh, looked at this way. A man of character, a man that could uh, was was a man of virtue. He was a powerful man, but he is a man of virtue, of moral excellence, someone that could be looked up to, even in even as a man of war. You think of a man of war, and all you want to do is run. But he wasn't that kind of person. He he was someone who could be talked to and who could who could work with. Uh, also, it says here in verse 18, number 3, that he was a man of war, a fighting man, he re ready to engage. He wasn't a coward. He wasn't going to run. He wasn't the kind of person that was going to back off from a fight when it was a worthy cause, when it was something that needed to be done. He was a man of war. He was, he was Also, he was prudent in matters in the verse there, in verse 18. He was a man of great understanding. He had wise perception. He wasn't a man that, like I said even earlier there, that he was cautious. He didn't run into a fight without knowing what he was going to do and knowing what he was doing. He was very cautious. And also, it says he's a comely person. His appearance, his countenance, the way he presented himself, his body language, everything about him, he was a comely person. It said that he was a... a had a great countenance. He was a good-looking man. In in the in the concordance, it said he was beautiful. He was a good-looking person. Everything about King David made you want to be near him, wanted to know something about him, want to learn of him, and be be like him. He was be an example to follow. But the sixth one is the most important. The last one in the in the verse there in verse eighteen is the Lord was with him. Jehovah was with him. God was all over this man. He was somebody that, that whenever he came into the, in, into the room or he came out to war or wherever, they knew that God was with this man. They feared. You know, Brother Neil Edson had that testimony. I had a bus, uh, two bus kids I picked up one time, and I talk, talked to the grandmother a lot. She was a sweet lady. And she came to church one time, and she told me later, she said, I, I'm afraid of him. I mean, she wasn't saved. I don't know whether she ever got saved or not, but, but seeing the man of God, she was afraid of him. And I heard that testimony at other times uh, about the man of God, men of God, where people seen them and they actually were fearful of them because of God on them. God was so powerful in their life. that they. And I believe that's the kind of man that David was here. He's the kind of man that... Uh, uh, the Lord was with him and people were were fearful of him. 
In verse 23, and it says, It came to pass when the evil spirit from God was upon Saul that David took his harp and played. And Saul was refreshed as well, and the spirit, the evil spirit departed from him. That was what he was doing here, but that things hadn't got rough yet. He was just a servant in the house uh, uh, with, the, uh, with, the, with the king. And, and there was other servants, there was many, and this young boy just came in and played that they brought in to kind of soothe his spirit whenever he got in a bad way. Uh, but, but at that time also, uh, David goes back and takes care of his sheep. He comes when they need him. He goes back to the fields. He, he takes care of his sheep. Then we look again in chapter number 17 at David. And uh, we see the, the, the story of, of David and Goliath. You know, David is tending his sheep in the mountains. He's spending his time with God. He's in fellowship with the Lord. He's in prayer. He's protecting his sheep. He's doing his job. He does what, does what he's supposed to do. He's a young man. And his dad calls him and says, Hey, I want you to take some uh, some some food and stuff out to, the, to your brothers and to King Saul on the battlefield. So they're out there on the battlefield and he didn't know nothing about Goliath or anything like that. And he goes out and you know the story. David, here's, here's this fat overgrown slob making fun of God. And he ain't about to put up with that. He said, who is this uncircumcised Philistine defying the armies of the living God? He didn't like the idea that, I mean, he knew God well enough that you wasn't going to throw off on his God. It's kind of like being out in the public and hearing somebody use God's name vain over and over and over. I don't know what, that just runs all over me. I try to keep my mouth shut because they're doing what they, they don't even realize they're saying. I led a man to the Lord years ago and if I told you his name, some would know him. But he had a habit of using God's name in vain. I mean, it was like every other breath, all the time, just, just GD this, calling it, just cussing, and it was awful to listen to. And me and a friend of mine went, to, caught him in the hospital, real sick, and and we went and witnessed to him and talked to him, and he bowed his head that day and trusted Christ as his Savior. And it wasn't long after that that I seen him up at uh, at his store, and I was talking with him, and he let it slip out. And he shook his head, and he said. I have such a hard time stopping that. Before he didn't even know it was wrong. Didn't bother him. Woodrow World. You remember him? Seen him get saved. He's in heaven. And it bothered him. But before, it was just words. These people, this world and all the people in this world, they got no idea of what they're doing when they're, they're using the name Jesus as a cuss word. Or GD calling. And David wasn't going to put up that. And you know the story. He didn't put up with it. He went. And at this time, Saul is watching this young man. And he, he just, he's, boy, this is a brave young man. He's willing to go out here with his, just his sling. He didn't know that all that time in the mountains, David was using that sling and practicing. And he was constantly right between the eyes. And he didn't know that one day he was going to actually do it. He was just practicing. He wanted to be... I believe David was a man of such character that whatever he went at, he wanted to be the very best. Wouldn't that be a good quality for us as Christians that when we go out into public, we want to be the nicest people anybody talks to, the most thoughtful people that any... 
the kind. I love that word right there, kind. We want to be kind people. At the very, I mean, it's a grocery store. Anybody that sees us, Walmart or anywhere, we ought to be kind above everything else. Loving kindness and tender mercies, we need them for ourselves, don't we? Then we wouldn't be talking negative so much. We'd be practicing being kind to people, loving people, unlovely people. I don't know why, but I've always had a, had a soft spot for the roughest people. Maybe because I was one at one time. And I just always had a place for those folks. But anyhow, David, David is doing what David does. Saul has seen him go out, kill this Philistine, cut his head off. Then they went into battle and ran the Philistines all over the country. You think about it, they was a whole lot on the line right there because that uh, Goliath had said, if you send out a man to fight, and if I kill him, you serve us. If he kills me, we serve you. He's lying. Because first thing they done when his head fell off is they ran. They didn't surrender like they said they would do and serve. So this line, just line. He watched him go, and he watched him come back in and look down in. Uh, let me find my notes. In chapter seventeen. Well, I've lost my notes. Verse 55 in chapter 17. Okay? Go to verse 55. This was going to be about what I was going to read to start with, but I forgot. We okay, though. And when Saul saw David go forth against the Philistine, he said unto Abner, the captain of the host, Abner, whose son is this youth? And Abner said, As thy soul liveth, O king, I cannot tell. And the king said, Inquire thou whose son this stripling is. And as David returned from the slaughter of the Philistines, Abner took him and brought him before Saul with the head of the Philistine in his hand. These people were gory, were they not? Man walking around with a, holding another man's head by his hair. This is my, this is my trophy. These are rough people. We think we got some rough people around us. Verse fifty-eight. And Saul said to him, "Whose son art thou, the young man? And, and thou young man?" And David answered, "I am the son of thy servant Jesse, the Bethlehemite." And in verse eighteen, verse two, chapter eighteen, verse two. I'm trying to hurry, and the more I hurry, the little, 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 the worse I get. Verse two. And Saul took him that day, would not let him go home no more. He said, you can't go home. You're going to stay here with me. You're the man of war. You're the, you're the one that, uh, that I can use to lead my army. And he sent him out to lead the army. And he went out. He was a great warrior and a great leader. And the people respected David. You can read it right here in the passage. They thought he was just a wonderful guy and wanted to be around him. And they would follow him off the ends of the earth. And you know the story. He came back in from the battle. And the women were, were dancing and singing down here in about verse 7. And they said, David, uh, Saul has won his thousands and David his ten thousand. And the ungodly king, who was not spirit-filled, who basically an evil spirit was on him, was jealous instantly. And now the, th the man that could make him look best in war, he was ready to kill him. 
And right up here in verse 10 in chapter 18, and it came to pass on the morrow that the evil spirit from God came upon Saul and he prophesied in the midst of the house. And David played with his hand as at other times and there was a javelin in Saul's hand. And Saul cast the javelin for he said, I will smite David even to the wall. And David avoided out of his presence twice. And David fleed. But then we're getting ready to see the, one of the first characteristics that we need to, to learn in our life that David had. Right on down in the next verses. It tells us about David's behavior in verse 14. Now David is already, hey, they've tried to kill him twice. This thing is quite serious. The man's not playing around. If he could pin you to the wall with his javelin, he would do it. So what do you do? Run like the wind. A good run's better than a bad stand any day, right? Ain't nothing wrong. They'll call you chicken. That's okay. And David behaved himself wisely. Look at that. This is the kind of character that we need. David behaved himself wisely in all his ways, the Scripture says. He wasn't just wise in a few things. He had practiced being the kind of person that putting himself into everything that he did, whether it was learning to throw a, uh, throw a rock with a sling, no matter what he was doing, whether he was taking care of the sheep, whether he was delivering food to the army, he done it the best he could do all the time. And everybody recognized it and saw it in his life. And David, in verse 14, behaved himself wisely in all his ways, and look, look at this. Look at it. In verse 14, chapter 18. And the Lord was with him. And the Lord was with him. That's the testimony of God's people. And the Lord was with him. When we go to work tomorrow, whenever we go out to do anything, whatever we're going to be doing, wouldn't it be wonderful if the people that saw us would say, maybe to a friend or neighbor, the Lord is with that man. You can just sense God's presence in him when He comes around. Holiness just seems to be in the area. See, it's not me and it's not you. It's the Spirit of God. It's by grace through faith again, okay? David, wherefore when Saul in verse 15 saw that he behaved himself very wisely, he was afraid of it. Godly people, this is why that so many people down through the ages have been martyred. People are afraid of godly people. There's something so peculiar and so different about them that, they, that it's fearful to be around them. But like, folks, if our character, if we don't practice this upbeat character, I mean, I'm not talking about just po well, not positive thinking. It's a lot better than negative thinking. So practice thinking positive about things and trying to be upbeat. Practice smiling. I know preachers that in past would uh, told me a man told me said now when you when you get up to preach you you need to think about how your uh, how your expressions you don't want people to be afraid of you you know and he said go stand in the money in the money you see what's on my mind go stand in the mirror not in it in front of it and practice your facial expressions while you're talking. Get up there and practice doing like this and stood like this. 
If I preached the whole message like this, what would you say? Boy, he was mad. They would, no, it's just the desk was on his foot. <laughs> it's just a hard day at the office, you might say. But David behaved himself wisely. And if you look on down, we're still in chapter uh, chapter 18. Verse 27 through 30. Let's slip over there right quick. Some more of the, the details of the character of this man. Now at this time also, Saul had already... Man, time's almost up. Saul had already uh, uh, tried to, to, to trick him into getting killed by the Philistines. He sent him out to war hoping he would. He, he gave him his daughter to marry and, and he said, I have no dowry. He said, bring me a hundred foreskins from the, of the Philistines. So he brought him two hundred. And what he had hoped and what he said he hoped was is while he's out there that they'd kill him. But they didn't. Because God was with him. So he comes back in here and uh, uh, he made it through so that makes him even matter. Look in verse 27. And Saul saw and knew that the Lord was with David. And that scared that made, made Saul want to kill him even more. And Michael, Saul's daughter, loved him and he admit for... For Michael, it says right over here in, in uh, verse 20, and Michael, Saul's daughter, loved David, and they told Saul, and they, the thing pleased him, and Saul said, I'll give him to her, and she may be a snare to him. She this was the bad daughter, evidently. He said, I'll give the worst one to him, and that'll be a snare in his life, and that'll be another thing to bring him down. And Saul was yet the more afraid of David, and Saul became David's enemy continually by his own choice. Not because David was doing anything to bring, bring, uh, uh, to cause uh, Saul to be on guard, but because he hated him because he was godly. And everybody loved him and everything about him reminded him of God in whom God was trying to get Saul to repent. Follow the example I've set in front of you. Turn to me and repent of your sin and ask me to forgive you. And Saul would have, Saul would have been forgiven. And he wouldn't have went through and died like he died and caused his sons to be killed and all of that. Verse 30, Then the princes of the Philistines went forth, and it came to pass after they went forth that David behaved himself more wisely than all the servants of Saul. He was a very wise young man. Probably in his early 20s, I don't know. So that his name was much set by. In other words, everybody, when the name David was mentioned, they said, yes, that, that David, man, man of great character, a great testimony for the Lord, an honest man, a warrior, but a man of great virtue. I'm going to have to skip by some of it. Not that you're going to miss it. But any one of us, folks, any one of us can by grace through faith, turn our hearts to God and have the kind of character, be a person of wisdom like David was. You say, well, it'll take me so long to get my habits broken. You've got to start somewhere. It's like an athlete whenever they're practicing to uh, play football. Or, or, or baseball or any sport, volleyball, whatever it is, they don't just go out and do it. They practice, practice, practice. They work at it. And we need to work at it too. Being the kind of people that God's Spirit can feel it comfortable with and at home with and can work through and show people all about us 
what kind of person Jesus Christ is. That's who we're representing. Did you realize that? We're here to glorify God. I was reading in Paul Chapel's book, and I've mentioned this before. I don't know whether teaching and preaching. I don't think I have. But in the first, in in the the book is uh, uh, um, oh, I forgot the name of it. Motives, our motive, ten motives. And the first one, of course, is what? Can you tell me? Can anybody guess what the first motive should be in our lives? Tricky, ain't it? It should be to glorify God. Our purpose, our dream, our everything about us ought to be here in this, in this world to glorify and honor the name of Jesus Christ in our day and age. But in that book, he gave a definition of the word glorify. It meant to reveal or to make clear. Man, that, that has been so good for me. My purpose to glorify God is to reveal Jesus Christ to a lost and dying world. To reveal Jesus Christ to my brothers and sisters in, in Christ that I might help promote love in the family of God. Huh? To make clear the testimony of Jesus Christ. To make clear that God walks this way. God acts like this. Jesus Christ wants me to talk like this. Jesus Christ wants me to go to these places and do these things. Jesus Christ wants me to witness of the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. To reveal God to a lost and to reveal God to a living church. Character. David was a man of character. He was a man that we could look at. And there's two tests. We're going to look at these two tests. And then we're gonna we're gonna be done. Chapter twenty four. Chapter number twenty. This is the this is a real test of of faith for David. In chapter twenty four, you know the story. He's running for his life. He's got six hundred men that have joined him, and they're running. Saul's after him, and he's got an army of three thousand chosen men of valor. These men that, that have come to, to kill the man, to kill this man of God, to wipe him out and get him out of the way so the king don't have to be in. And Saul's out front stomping and kicking and saying, let's kill this man, let's kill this man. And here's the test of faith. You know, they're in the cave. David and his men's in the cave. They're back in the cave and, uh, and we'll look at the scripture in just a second. And, uh, uh he, he comes in the cave and they're back there. Can you imagine? I don't know whether all six of them, if there's just 400. Imagine a hundred people in a quiet cave. Nothing going on. No noise. Maybe some water dripping. Who knows? And, a, and, and Saul comes in that cave and everybody has to be quiet. Because if they make one bit of noise, if somebody sniffles or sneezes or coughs, Saul's going to know. They're trapped in this cave. They're goners. There's 3,000 men outside that would love to cut your head off. And they go in there. That's a miracle of the Lord, and you'll see many miracles like that in the Bible as you study and as you read. Let's look in verse, uh, verse number 2. I'm trying to skip some stuff. Then Saul took 3,000 chosen men out of Israel and went to seek David and his men upon the rocks of the wild goat. And they came to the sheep coats by the way where was a cave. And Saul went in 
And David and his men remained in the sides of the cave. And the men of David said unto him, Behold, the day... Listen to this. Here's the test. He's been oppressed. His life's been in danger. All the people that have followed him are in danger. They're going to be killed. Here's Saul. Don't know they're in the cave with him. And this is what his men, this is what the man whispers in David's ear. And it had to be quiet. And the men of David said unto David, Behold, the day of which the Lord said unto thee, Behold, I will deliver thine enemy into thine hand, that thou mayest do to him as it shall seem good unto thee. Then David arose and cut off the skirt of Saul's robe privately. Now he'd had this kind of heart. Listen to this next verse. He had this kind of heart. And it, in verse 5, And it came to pass afterward that David's heart smote him because he cut the little corner off of the skirt. He was a man that was so close and so willing and so, so godly in it, that even that little, that little cutting that thing off to show Saul how close he was to death, God smote his heart. And David was convicted, and I know he repented. And he said unto his men in verse 6, The Lord forbid that I should do this thing unto my master, the Lord's anointed, to stretch forth mine hand against him, seeing he is the anointed of the Lord. He's trying to kill him. They're in the cave. They could all die. So David stayed his servant. They respected David's character so much. They had such respect for David. They said, okay, we won't kill him. We won't, you don't kill him. So David stayed his servants with these words and suffered them not to rise against Saul. But Saul arose up out of the cave and went on his way. And then David also arose up after and went out of the cave and cried, saying to Saul, My lord the king. And when Saul looked behind him, David stooped with his face to the earth and bowed himself down. Is that character or what? This man has come to kill you. He's hunting you like, like a dog hunting rabbits. And when he catches you, you're dead meat. He cuts off his skirt. God smote his heart. His heart is so right with God when he steps out of that thing and this man who's come to murder you is not right with God, is filled with the devil. And he gets down on his hands and knees and he bows before him. Do good to your enemies. <laughs> That's the kind of man we're looking at. That's the kind of character that'll win a world for Jesus Christ. Don't you think? That'll make a church like Victory Way Baptist Church in the community look like a place where people can get help if the people live like that. Have that kind of character. All right, go to, go to chapter 26 and we'll see the ultimate test. The ultimate test. This is the final test. This is it that we're looking at today. They, I mean, it never ends. You know that in your life. There's tests that come all the time. We're under one constant barrage of tests from God on how we're going to respond when somebody does something, says something to us. You know, when somebody says something hateful to you, you don't have to get the last word in. It's not necessary. Feels good though, don't it? Put that last knife in, that last gouge. Verse twenty, uh, chapter twenty-six. 
David again is tested to the ultimate limit. Verse 1, And the Ziphites came unto Saul at Gibeah, saying, Doth, doth not David hide himself in the hills of whatever, in the, which is before whatever? And Saul arose and went down to the wilderness of Ziph, having 3,000 chosen men, he's got his army, chosen men of Israel with him to seek David in the wilderness of Ziph. And he's not going to have a picnic with him. And Saul pitched the hill in the hill, but David, in verse 3, but David abode in the wilderness and saw that Saul came after him in the wilderness. David's watching. Verse 5, And David arose and came to the place where Saul had pitched. Then down in verse 7, David in verse 6, David asked uh, Abishai, uh, Who will go down with me to Saul, to the camp? And Abishai said, I will go down with you. So he had a man, a mighty man of God that wanted to go with him. Two of them going down among 3,000 men. What are they going to do? Verse 7, So David and Abishai came to the people by night. And behold, Saul lay sleeping within the trench, and his spear stuck in the ground at his bolster, but Abner and his people lay round about him. Abner was the man that was supposed to protect the king. His responsibility was to keep, he was a secret service, you might say, to keep the king safe and keep him out of danger. Then said Abishai to David, God hath delivered, here he is again. Get the picture. Saul's laying in a ditch, asleep. His water jug and his, uh, uh, whatever that other thing was, laying there, and he, his spear. And he says, uh, he, he's asleep, and all these men, 3,000 men? Well, if it's just a 100. <laughs> and what does David and Abishai do? They tiptoe right in the midst of them, right through them, but you'll see why in just a second. I'll read it to you. And they still went right in there in amongst those pain. And here's what Abishai said to David. Then said Abishai to David, God hath delivered thine enemy into his hand this day. Now therefore let me smite him. Abishai says, I'll kill him for you. And look what he says. I pray thee with the spear even to the earth at once. He says, I'll, I'll, st I'll stick the spear right into him right here. And, and, and he makes sure, and he says, and I will not smite him to say, I'll do it the first time and there won't be no need to me to smite him again. I promise you he'll be dead when I get done. The test. 600 men still running and hiding for their lives, and if they get caught, they'll all be dead. Their families destroyed, everything destroyed. And this is the man that wants to kill them. Here's the chance to shut, it down, shut him down. To take him out. And David said to Abishai, destroy him not. Why? For who can stretch forth his hand against the Lord's anointed and be guiltless? Who can do that? David said, furthermore, as the Lord liveth, the Lord shall smite him. David prophesies, God will take care of him when the time comes. In battle or some way or somewhere, he'll take care of him. Then he confronts Saul again after, after they get up on the hill and tells him, why are you chasing me? Why are you after me? Why are you doing this? I'm not hurting you. I'm not going to do anything to you. Why are you trying to kill us? Saul seemingly repents again. And I want to, I'll close with this, this sad verse. Let me read just a little from 21, chapter 26, verse 20. Then Saul said, I have sinned. Return, my son David, for I will no more be do thee harm, because my soul was precious 
In thine eyes this day, behold, I have played the fool and have erred exceedingly. And David, there's no repentance though. He doesn't, he doesn't change the world he lives in. He goes right back to hunting David both times. And he promises David, David that, but he asks something of David. I don't know whether it's in this place or not. He pleads with David. He says, I know you'll be the king. I know that you're the man that God has chosen to take my place. Please, I beg of you, even though I'm going to kill you if I get a chance, spare my family. Spare my, spare my seed that I, my name will not be gone in Israel. And David says, I will. Look at the end though, and we'll close with this. In verse tw- chapter 27, after it's all done and David goes his way and Saul and his armies go their way, he's lied to David again and told him that you know he wasn't going to bother him no more. And this is David's answer right here. And David said in his heart, I shall now perish one day by the hand of Saul. There is nothing better for me than that I should speedily escape into the land of the Philistines. David knew at this point that this man was not going to repent. He was not going to be free until God took him out. Took Saul out. So you know what he done? He took his men and he left Israel. He left the nation of Israel and went into the Philistines and lived at Siklag. And David waited until Saul was dead. But it never affected his character. He was the kind of man he knew that he was bought with a price. He was not his own. And he said, Therefore I'll glorify God in my body, which is God's. Are we any better? Colossians three seventeen. Turn there right quick. Then I'll hush. I promise. Colossians 3. We need to look at this. It'd do us all good to look at it. Colossians 3, verse 17. And whatsoever ye do, this is me and this is you. And whatsoever ye do in word or deed, in what you say or what you do, where you go, how you act. And whatsoever ye do in word or deed, do all in the name of the Lord Jesus. Do it in the name of the Lord Jesus. Giving thanks to God and the Father by Him. Verse 23. And whatsoever ye do, do it heartily as of the Lord and not unto men, knowing that the Lord, that of the Lord ye shall receive the reward for, of the inheritance, for ye serve the Lord Christ. God says there's an inheritance for you. And you know, someday we're going to stand before the Lord, not for our sin. Praise the Lord for that. Not for our sin. We're going to stand before the Lord and give an account for our stewardship of our life as Christians. Now, if you're in here today and you're not saved, you're going to give an account for your sin. Jesus paid it all. He died, was buried, and rose again because the the wages of your sin and the wages of my sin is death. And Christ died for our sins according to the Scripture. 
And He was buried. And He rose again the third day according to the Scriptures. And that's where it matters. And He said that if thou shalt confess with thy mouth and believe in thine heart that God hath raised Him from the dead, thou shalt be saved. For us Christians, we need to search our heart every day. We need to practice walking in the Spirit. You ask God, if ye be an evil know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father in heaven give the Holy Spirit, the fullness of the Holy Spirit, the filling of the Holy Spirit, to them that ask Him, just to the person that asks. If you've never trusted Christ as Savior, the same thing all you have to do is ask. Whosoever shall call on the name of the Lord shall be saved. Around 40 years ago, in my living room in my house, a man named Nathan Miller came in and sat down with me, and he'd witnessed to me several times at work. And he came to the house and he sat down with me, and he told me, he said, Danny, he said, did you know you're a sinner? And I said, yeah, yeah I, know, I know. You have to talk about that. And he said, did you know that the wages of your sin is death? The penalty for your, your sin is eternal damnation, separation from God in etern- for all eternity? And I said, no, I didn't know. I thought if I'd done good, I'd be all right. And I remember him asking me that day and going through the gospel and telling me that Christ had died and paid the penalty for my sin. And I need to repent to change my mind and turn to God and say, God, forgive me because I've sinned against God the Father. And I need to ask Him to forgive me because I've sinned again to Him. And then I need to receive the the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. The death is full payment for my sin, my burial, and my resurrection for everlasting life. Placing my trust in Jesus Christ. Placing your trust in Jesus Christ. Asking God to forgive you and to save you. Stand to your feet if you would. And Brother, do you have a hymn of invitation? Something that uh, we might give an opportunity for anybody who would be Concerned about where you're going to spend eternity? I know the pastor and myself, and there's others that would love to take the Bible and sit down with you and show you how that you can trust Christ as your Savior. And how today can be the day, just like my day 40 years ago, whenever I bowed my head there in my chair at my house and asked God to forgive me and save me, and He did. And He gave me a life. He changed my world much much more drastic than I could ever could ever dreamed. And He gave me a new life. And I praise Him for it today. Christian, if you're always negative, if you're always thinking about negative things and what's wrong with everybody else, and just just the negativity, maybe it'd be a day that you ask God to help you start practicing and thinking constantly about how you live and how you think. Because as a man thinketh in his heart, so is he. Brother, come on and do it. it. Pastor. Well, how many of you would like to have a a testimony like David? Yeah, I think he's so right. How many times do we think of David, and the first thing we think about is all his mess-ups. And, and uh, boy, yeah, that carries on. That carries over. When you think about other people, what's the first thing you think of? You think about their mess-ups, right? And by the way, that probably means that's what people think about you, too. 
Uh, let's, let's not be that type of person. Uh, let's be a person that thinks about uh, the great character. I was just thinking about some of the things he said, David's courage, boy, to take on Goliath, David's behavior and how he behaved wisely at all those different times and his virtue in his life. And, and Boy, I just want to be like David. I don't know about you. And uh, so God help us to be more like David. I wrote down something. I don't. I'm going to steal it because he don't. He's not on Twitter. He'll never see me tweet it and take claim for it. No, I'm just kidding for you. Uh, but I wrote something down to something. He said, "This is good. This was awesome. This was my line of the day. This helped me. Maybe it'll help you if you heard it again, or maybe you didn't catch it. Maybe you did. We need people in our life that will help us get right with God, and not just help us through the crisis." Well, isn't that good? That's not usually who we look for, though, is it? <laughs> well, we look for people who just, just, just help me, comfort me. No, help me get right with God. Because, by the way, that's why crisis usually come. God wants to grow us, mature us, and, and perfect us. And uh, what a line. Boy, I want to be like David. What a great message. I, I appreciate Brother Danny for sharing that. Listen, if you don't know Christ as your Savior, he already told you. Listen, call upon the name of the Lord. He loves you. He died for you. He wants to save you. He wants to give to you the free gift of eternal life. But you got to make the choice. you got to make the choice. you got to change your mind and agree with God you're a sinner and call upon his name. Uh, so then you can be filled with the Spirit, and then we can start to walk like David. I think we're going to close with a hymn, brother. All right. You come on tonight. Don't forget uh, Lord's Supper. 6.30, come join us for Lord's Supper service at 6.30 tonight. Join us we sing the solid rock.